Look at Matthew again this morning, Matthew 28, and we'll start here, Matthew 28, we'll read verse 19 and 20, and then we'll turn to a few other passages this morning as we continue in our series on the Great Commission. Uh, tonight I'll uh, preach on the Great Commission again, Lord willing, and I'm going to preach on the subject tonight, the teamwork of the Great Commission. And uh, it does not depend, the Great Commission does not depend on one, one human being. Uh, and aren't you thankful for that? Uh, and we'll look tonight at the teamwork of great, the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commission can be done. It needs to be done. It has been done. And we'll look at that this evening. Uh, but this morning, let's look at Matthew chapter number 28. And we'll read once again verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Uh, we know, we refer to this as the Great Commission uh, that Christ gave to His church. And this morning, we want to look at this passage of Scripture, and we'll look at a few others. And I'm going to speak on this subject, the institution of the Great Commission. The institution of the Great Commission. Father, I pray this morning uh, that you would meet with us. I pray the Spirit of God uh, would be our instructor, would be our teacher, He'd be our convictor this morning. Father, I pray that uh, you would use the message uh, today to stir our hearts, uh, to reach more people with the gospel. May we be reminded of our importance uh, when it comes to your institution, the church. And Father, I pray that this church will be used to uh, be a help and a blessing to more in the future. Uh, once again, if there's one unsaved, may today be their day of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We know that this commission, this great commission, these words that Christ uh, spake that we read this morning, uh, this is after his resurrection. This is after he has gone to Calvary. This is after he has uh, taken upon him the sins of the world. He has uh, successfully conquered death and hell that came forth from the grave three days later. Uh, he began to appear uh, to different individuals after his resurrection, and we find him here assembled with a great group of people. Uh, now, we read in verse number 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, uh, along with the disciples, there were others that he encountered. We'll not take the time to read. I did this a few weeks ago. Uh, along the way, so there was more than just those uh, disciples there that he gives these words to. He gives this command, he gives this commission to not just some random people. They didn't uh, win a lottery to be there. They uh, didn't just happen to be there. They were assembled there. Uh, they were told to assemble there, and Christ met them and gave them this admonishment. What did he tell them to do? He told them uh, to go into the world, and go ye therefore and teach all nations. What were they to teach them? Of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That is still the message that makes a change today. Uh, I believe in morality, but it's more than just you need to be a good person. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection that needs to be taught to all nations. After teaching them that, then once they put their faith in Christ, baptize them, this is their public declaration of faith, but it's also identification with the one who saved them. Identification with Christ. Identification with His church. Then it is to teach them to observe all things. They are to learn how to be a disciple of Christ. Now, if He is telling the disciples to go and 
be a witness to preach the gospel, then upon a man's salvation to then baptize them and teach them to be disciples, then we can make the assumption that to be a disciple, you are to be fulfilling the Great Commission. That is what the Great Commission is. Christ is going to ascend into heaven very, very soon after he gives this command. In Acts chapter number 1, we read of his ascension into heaven. Upon that, those angels who had uh, come down, they asked them, uh, why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus is going to return one day, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, you need to go get busy doing what he told you to do. What did he tell them to do? He told them to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, Jesus was going to be leaving, and he sits at the Father's right hand, and he sits there until the day the Father says, go and bring them home. If he knew he was going to be leaving, there's nothing more important than the gospel. The most important message that man needs is the gospel. But Jesus is going to be leaving. He tells them in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. He leaves this important task, not just with a random group of people. He leaves this important task, not just with a philanthropic organization. He leaves this task with the church the institution of the Great Commission. And we're going to look at several passages this morning that is going to remind us that this is true. I want to make a few statements this morning by way of introduction, and then we'll get into the truths of the message today. But we certainly live in a day of the de-emphasis of the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about God's church. I'm talking about that called out assembly. I'm talking about those that are preaching the gospel. I'm talking about the New Testament church. But we live in a day of the de-emphasis of the church. I don't understand why Christians are de-emphasizing the institution that Christ founded. Makes absolutely no sense to me. You cannot fulfill the Great Commission without the church. It's impossible. You say, Pastor, do you have to be saved to be part of the church? No, you do not. Salvation is a free gift based on your faith and what Christ has done. But you cannot fulfill the Great Commission without being part of the church. I used this illustration some time ago. I'll use it again. You You don't have to be part of the church, and you can give the gospel to someone. And whether you're a church member or not, you ought to give the gospel to others. You can do that. But there's a lot of, well, our family is, we do things with our, our family. That's great. But how are you going to baptize somebody into your family? I wouldn't recommend that. How are you going to teach them to follow all things that Christ did when it's a fact, it's documented in Scripture, Jesus was in church? Uh There's a de-emphasis of the church. You cannot fulfill the Great Commission without the church. As Christians have replaced the church, and I know uh, in some places this will not be very popular, but it's the truth. 
as Christians have replaced the church as the most important part of their home and life, the world has been less evangelized. There's a direct correlation with Sunday school attendance in this, in this country over the last many, many decades and the fall of our nation. As Christians have replaced the church as the most important part of their home and life, the world has become less evangelized. It just makes logical sense. If Christ has given the commission to the church, the church, it's their responsibility. You must be, have the church to do it. And we replace that as the priority in our life. It just makes sense that we are less involved in fulfilling the Great Commission. We have Christians today who've replaced the church schedule with their sports schedule. This is not the day of the NFL. This is the, this is the Lord's Day. You may say, Pastor, you've been on the NFL lately. You're, you're, pro, you're, you're, you're anti-NFL. No, I'm pro-church. I'm pro-Lord's Day. And as we have replaced church calendar with a sports calendar, we have seen a, a, a world that is less evangelized. We've replaced the church calendar with hobbies. There is not a hobby... I'm for hobbies. I have hobbies. I think everybody ought to have a hobby. I think everybody has something that they enjoy doing. What, but when you, there's not a hobby that you can be involved in, not a pastime that you enjoy that's as important as what's going on at the church. Amen. We've replaced our careers. We put our careers in work as the priority when it ought to be a part of fulfilling Christ's commission. Jesus could have told them to do anything, but he said, go, win them, baptize them, teach them. That's the priority. There's nothing no man can say, there's nothing no man can do that's more important than what Christ said the church is supposed to do. And so again, I'm not mentioning necessarily bad things, but they should not be the priority of our homes. They should not be what dictates the schedule. You may not agree with me on this, but the church schedule ought to decide your schedule. I'll circle back around to that. You cannot be loyal to Christ without being part of his church. Well, Pastor, I have a shirt that says I'm a disciple of Christ. Wear it everywhere you go. Go right ahead. But according to Christ's command... And what this Bible says, disciples assemble together. They are that called out with the purpose of making more disciples. We've gotten distracted as churches, and we as a church have got to be very careful of that. We, we, we're a church that likes to fellowship. We're a church that has good fellowship. We're a church that's very close-knit together. But that is a byproduct of the church. It's not the main purpose. The main purpose is to fulfill the Great Commission. A revival is not the hope of our nation. A political revolution is not the hope of our nation. The fulfillment of the Great Commission by the local church is the hope. If the church 
gets busy with the Great Commission, a revival will happen. If there's a so-called revival and there is no Great Commission attached to it, it's not a revival. Say, people, you don't, Pastor, you don't believe people are being saved? No, I, th- I believe people are going to be saved. I, be, I know of, of, of big tent meetings where people, people get saved, but when are they getting baptized? Right. How are they growing? Right. If it's not attached to his church, it's not going to happen. If a church gets busy with the Great Commission, you know politics will take care of themselves? I know this is not popular preaching today, but can you imagine what would happen in our world if every preacher preached what I'm preaching today? It's not politics. Politics. I happen to believe if a man gets born again, the Spirit of God dwells within him. And the Holy Spirit is much more capable of instructing somebody how they ought to vote than a voter guide. I think the Holy Spirit of God can lead somebody in developing where they stand on social issues. I believe this Bible teaches us what social issues, what side we should be on. And if that's the emphasis and men are getting born again, I happen to believe the Holy Spirit is better at telling somebody how to vote than me or some politician. The church must get back to the Great Commission. Churches have got distracted. From off of the Great Commission. I think we could agree with that. The church is going to get back to the Great Commission. It's what Christ commanded. But Christians must get back to the church. We must get back to the church. Because it is the institution which Christ gave the command to fulfill the Great Commission. I believe that it is God's will for every child of God to be part of his local church. Yes. Now, every, I'm going to preach on the teamwork of the Great Commission tonight. Not everybody can be involved the same way. Not everybody can do the same thing. Not everybody can even attend as often as somebody else can attend. But whatever you can do, you should be doing when it comes to, when it comes to the church. Uh, you ought to be willing to identify with his church. You ought to be willing to be part of his church. You ought to be willing to uh, participate in the things of his church. And just for the next few minutes, I'm going to give you four truths when it comes to the institution of the Great Commission. I want you to turn back just a few pages with me to Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter number 16, and I'm going to read verses 13 down through verse number 18 of Matthew chapter number 16. While you're turning there, truth number one is this. The institution of the Great Commission is founded on Christ. The institution of the Great Commission is founded on Christ. Matthew 16 verse 13, when Jesus came in the, to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Put this in context. I've mentioned this before. Uh, Having been to Israel a couple of times, you you go to that Caesarea Philippi, which was a pagan city. And if you can picture with me uh, Jesus and his disciples going there, uh, they they had had wanted nothing to do with Christ. They were pagan. Uh, they, 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 They sacrificed animals to their pagan gods. That's the backdrop of the question that he asked. Whom do men say that the Son of Man am? He's not referring to, what's the latest Facebook poll? What he is saying in the backdrop of all of that false religion who believed in gods. 
Whom do men say that I am? Who do these people say that I am? Uh, notice their response in verse 14. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if you, if you don't study the scripture carefully, you'll come up with some false beliefs and doctrines that Jesus was saying that upon Peter... He's going to build his church. This makes no sense. And Peter was not the first pope. Peter had a mother-in-law. And why would you have a mother-in-law if you didn't have a wife? Uh, he was not saying, I'm going to build it on Peter. Have you read the life of Peter? Have you God used him to do great things. But Peter made a lot of mistakes. I'm not part of a church that's built on a man. What Christ was saying upon this, that, what, what is this, the statement, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What he's saying, he's saying upon that rock, he will build his church. Friend, it is not man that his church is founded on. It is not man that it is, it is built on, it's founded on Christ himself. The institution of the Great Commission is founded on Christ and friend, the one who saved us, the one who redeemed us, the one who, who changed us forever, the one who went to the cross of Calvary to pay our sin debt, the one who rose victorious, holding the keys of death and hell, the one who gives us a new life to live, eternity in heaven, the one who we can lay our, because of him, we can lay our head on our pillow at night and know our sins have been forgiven, know the burden of our sins are gone. It is him who the foundation is built on, it's the church is built on Christ. That's why it's such a special institution. It's the institution built on Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, there's a lot of organizations you can be a part of, but you can only be part of one that's founded on Christ. You can only be, well, I belong to this and I belong to that. Oh, by the way, we ought to be more faithful to the institution that is founded on Christ than any other institution. Number two, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. I almost said Ephesiastes. The bad thing is several of you started turning, so we're going to come back to Matthew in just a moment, but turn with me to Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians Chapter number 2. While you're turning there to Ephesians chapter number 2, truth number 2 is this. The institution of the Great Commission is built on Christ. It was not just founded on Christ. It is built on Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone 
is what the two walls that are connected are set on. That gives it the strength. It bears the weight of the structure. He is, the institution of the Great Commission, we said number one, is founded on Christ. Number two, the institution of the Great Commission is built on Christ. Friend, you and I cannot build his church on anything other than Christ. That's why, and I don't have time, I'm already behind schedule this morning. There's so many places where Paul writes of, we preach Christ. The message is Christ. Uh, This world looks to other things. The simple answer to every man's question is Christ. That is our message, friend. I'll just be honest with you. If you're looking for a church that's involved in social justice, this isn't it. Because I believe Christ is the answer for everything. And we're not going to get distracted by something else. And we're not going to make a name for ourselves because we get involved in in this political movement or this one. Friend, we're just going to keep it all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And something I've learned in my life in ministry, if you keep holding up Christ, man will come. Man still needs Christ. Man will still go to Christ. He is the one the institution of the Great Commission is built on. Number three. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. The third truth I want us to see about the institution of the Great Commission is this. The institution of the Great Commission has been called out by Christ. I hope we're getting the idea that you can't have church without Jesus. It's all about Him. Friend, I'm, 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 the, I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm honored to be, and I have responsibilities, but it ain't about me. It's about Jesus. And friend, if it ain't about me, it ain't about you either. It's about Jesus. Matthew chapter number 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now watch this. This, The first church was established when Jesus called out his disciples. There are a lot of people that I believe Christ changed their life. They believed on Christ but they would not leave their profession of fishing. He called out of this world. What he was saying to Peter and Andrew, don't depend on that fishing profession. Don't depend on daddy's business. Don't follow that agenda. Leave that and follow me. There are many other passages. He comes to Matthew and just says those simple words, follow me. There's examples of him going to, just described as a young man several times, and he explains certain things and says, you just, you just have to follow me. And they refuse to just stop everything and follow him. Does it, believe, does it mean that they did not believe he was the Christ? No, I believe in most of those situations they believed he was the Christ. But they were not willing to be called out. To follow him. The church 
established by Jesus, was called out from this world to follow him. Again, you cannot tie church membership to salvation. There are a lot of people who have, through their whole life, they can count on one hand the number of times they miss church, and if they have not trusted Christ as their Savior, if they've not put their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, they will lift up their eyes in torment as the rich man did. You cannot tie church membership to salvation. You cannot tie baptism to salvation. One simple illustration just, 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 just totally does away with that false belief. Jesus told the thief on the cross, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. They didn't take him down and baptize him. They didn't, he didn't join the church. He trusted Christ. But to be part of his church, you have to follow him and be part of what he calls out. The church is called out of this world with the purpose of following Christ. There are many reasons why perhaps you were here today. Maybe you were here today just because you like seeing your pastor. I thought I'd get a better response than that, but maybe for the breakfast fellowship, it's the, it's the donuts. Maybe it's some other reason. It's that you enjoy the music, which the music is great to enjoy. But the reason why we come to church is because we've been called out with the purpose of following Christ. Not to preach a message I intend to preach another, another time, but that's part of the things that we observe. That's where we learn those things. We are called out of this world with the purpose of following Christ. There, there, are, there, are, there are a couple of things that you and I must be reminded of, and maybe this morning you've been saved, uh, you've maybe been baptized, but you haven't yet uh, got involved in church or attached yourself to His church, or maybe you're uh, in between and you're looking or whatever the case may be, or maybe you're not as faithful as you should be. You cannot follow Christ in the world. This mindset today that is, that is, that is killing our churches and in, in destroying lives and taking away hope from the lost, the idea that we're supposed to be just like the world to reach the world. That's not what Jesus established as his church. You cannot get that philosophy from the Bible. Jesus said, leave your way of life and follow me. Leave everything and follow me. Where are we going to sleep? Foxes have dens, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. We're following Christ. That is what we are to do. Notice what he says. You, you cannot miss this with, we put it in the context of the Great Commission. He says, follow me. I believe this is his disciples or the founding of his church. He called them out to follow him. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Now, just like there's a lot of things Christ could have said. I believe he said everything on purpose, being a perfect God. He didn't say, follow me and I will clean you up. That's a byproduct. 
put you on a pedestal where everybody can see how spiritual you are. He says, I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't call them out to put them on a pathway of social justice. He says, follow me and I'll get you elected as the, the next election. He didn't say that. Say, Pastor, are you against Christian politicians? I'm not against Christian politicians. I just believe that that's not the purpose of God's church. Follow me and I will make you, and I'll say this, I believe Christian politicians ought to go to church. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What was the commission that he gave? To go fish for men. Go reach men. The institution of the Great Commission has been called out by Christ. You and I, as a child of God, if you're saved this morning, our eternity has been changed, our sins have been forgiven. What a wonderful thought. But then he calls us out of this world. We are to be different. We are to be a light. We are to be an example. The church is supposed to be on his agenda, not the world's agenda. The child of God should be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness before we seek all the things that he says he'll add to us. We should be about the father's business. The book of Hebrews talks about being pilgrims, passing through. This is not our home. Heaven's our home. We're passing through. And as part of his church, we are called out and we are different. Statement number four. We're back in Matthew chapter number 16. Statement number four, truth number four, is the institution of the Great Commission will prevail. It will prevail. In the midst of that scripture that we've already read, in verse number 18, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You cannot stop God's church. You can persecute it. You can ignore it. But it will always prevail. Just as man is to pursue souls as the church is supposed to be about the Father's business, our adversary, the devil, is going to seek to do everything it can to ensnare the souls of men. He does it in many ways. He doesn't care how man goes to hell. He just wants man to go there. For example, if a man would be convinced that there is no God, therefore there's nothing to worry about in the afterlife, there's nothing, there is no God, there is no accountability I have, the devil doesn't care that he believes that. As long as he doesn't believe on Christ, he will die in his sins and go to the devil's hell. The devil doesn't, the, the devil, it doesn't matter if it's this way, whether somebody is taught that uh, they came from a monkey and that there is no creator and, and man evolved. If they, if they buy into that lie, therefore, I don't, I don't have any accountability to God, then, 
then if they die in their sins, they will go to hell. He does, that's, that's what the devil wants. He doesn't even care if a person will be faithful to a quote-unquote church and live a moral life as long as they don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, they'll die and go to the same hell as the person who says there is no God. We need to be busy fulfilling the Great Commission. It should not seem odd that a pastor would preach on the importance of church while you're at church. It would not seem odd that a pastor would put a premium on being part of the church. But more important than that, that it should not seem odd that Christ would put a premium on the institution that he founded and that he called out and commissioned to preach the gospel. The institution will be persecuted, it will be, it, will be, it will be worked against, but because of the power behind it, because of the purpose of it, the church will prevail. History plus scripture tells us that when persecution came, it flourished more than ever. We must rededicate ourselves, if we're going to be part of the Great Commission, we must rededicate ourselves to the institution of the Great Commission. How committed are you to the Great Commission? Well, that answer can be answered, that question can be answered to some degree, how committed are you to the institution? Of the Great Commission. I'm going to preach on this tonight, give you a little preview, if you'll promise to come back anyway. God's church is, if you're just there, you're part of the Great Commission. You give your tithe, that's part of the Great Commission. As the pastor, I'm thankful I have a part. When I preach up and preach the gospel, I have a part in the Great Commission. When I sit down with a new Christian or even an older one and, 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 and go over things in their life and teach and say, this is what we do to, to follow the Lord and we grow as our, in our Christian life, that's part of the Great Commission. Amen. See, we as Christians, we, and I, I'm lumping me and you in this, we as Christians, we're very hypocritical. We want to talk about all the problems in, this, in our country and we want to put the blame on this president or this politician or this group of people. Well, I just happen to believe if every child of God who's been saved would answer the call of Christ to follow me, the problems would be solved. If we got back, and I know it's not football season, but if we got back to people who were in the church on Sunday and not the NFL stadium... I, oh God, would you would you spare our nation as we desecrate His day? Oh, would you would you would you spare our nation as we as we sit at home on the Lord's day and we have no commitment to the institution and we decide we're not going to have a part and we're just going to be a spectator, friend? God has called us out after our salvation to make a difference, and we as the church can make a difference. But we must be dedicated to it.
I'm glad I'm part of the institution that God says will prevail. You know what? You can probably guess how I'm voted, how I'm registered as a voter. Jesus didn't promise that to the Republican convention. And I'll say it again because I always say, I'm not, a, I'm not a conservative, I'm a Christian. There's a difference. He didn't promise that to the Boy Scouts. Have you seen what's going on in the Boy Scouts? I'm going to tell you how to fix it. Have you seen what's going on at the church house? He, he didn't promise that to a little league team or some other institution. He promised it to the church, and he also commissioned that church to go and teach all nations, go tell them that God sent me, the Father sent me, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross of Calvary to pay for the world's sin. I gave my life Man didn't take it from Christ. He does not have his po- that power. He gave his life. He conquered death and hell. Rose victoriously. Conquered death for you and I. Go and teach all nations. These men would do that in the church literally, by, by, by leaps and bounds, exploded as man looked to Christ. Because there was a group that were willing to be called out. But when he said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. We're going to move to the invitation. I'm going to do it this way this morning. I'm going to read back from Matthew chapter number 4. This is the decision that, every, that, that many are going to need to make today. There are examples in Scripture when Jesus encountered the lost and he bid them to come believe on him. Their eternity hinged on that decision. Friend, if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, let me say it again. What church you attend can't save you. The Pope can't save you. This Baptist preacher can't save you. No man has that power. Christ can save you, but you must put your faith in him. We're moving to what we call our invitation, and there's an opportunity for you to come and let somebody show you from the Bible how you can be saved. Not what I said, not what somebody else said, but what what God has said is, is the instructions of salvation, if you will. That is part of my plea today is for everyone to know for certain that they're saved and on their way to heaven. Do not leave here today without that assurance that you are born. Well, I'll deal with that later. The Bible tells us that no man is promised tomorrow. None of us are even promised a safe trip home. Deal with your soul today. You may not have another opportunity. But for the saved, have you been baptized? Have you identified that public declaration, assuming you have? What's your relationship 
with his church. There's a lot of Christians, I believe they're just as saved as I am. But as Jesus bid them come, as he did Peter and Andrew, they did not follow the plea to come out. And they've stayed in that world system. They've stayed pursuing the same things they did before they were saved. In Matthew chapter number 4, which we read earlier, and Jesus walking by the, verse 18, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20 is where I want to end today. And they straightway, or immediately, left their nets and followed him. In just a moment, I'm sure of this. We stand and have our invitation. There very well may be somebody in here. You need to step out in that aisle. You need to let somebody show you and come down. Let somebody show you how you can be saved. But if you've been saved, the next command, the next part of that great commission is for you to have that public declaration of faith, to identify with Christ. The question is, are you going to straightway do it? Are you going to immediately do it? Peter and Andrew didn't come up with all the excuses. They didn't come up with why they couldn't. And when he bid them to come and follow me, which means they had to change their schedule to his schedule. They had to change their priority to his priority so Jesus could teach them how to live. Today, he teaches us how to live. As his institution, we're to go be those fishers of men. So the question is going to be this. The same plea is made to be part of God's church. Are you going to straightway, immediately, come and answer that? Or what other excuse are we going to give? I understand if you're looking for a church, you have to pray for some things. And you want God to directly, certainly that is true. But after some time, it should not take you very long, if you're looking for a Bible-based church that's busy about the Great Commission, you do not have a lot of choices. Maybe you're a member in an official capacity. But there's areas that you should be serving and participating in His church and you've yet to make that commitment. The bid this morning is to come. The question is, will you straightway, immediately, or will you use some excuses of why you can't be more faithful to the house of God? Will you use the excuses of why you're, you, 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 you don't want to join God's church? Do you use the excuses why you don't want to get involved and be faithful, what excuses do we have? I'm being very straightforward this morning. Our nation's in trouble. Our city has problems. They're not going to be solved with another election. They're not going to be solved with another program. Until some moms and dads get saved and get those children, become the right kind of mom and the right kind of dad, those kids aren't getting off the street. 
We must have the change through the Great Commission. Are you going to be a part or not? Not everybody can do what everybody does, but you can be a part. This morning, you obey as the Lord directs you. Father, use your word this morning. Use the message. May we respond as the Spirit of God.